Welcome to Responding to Life, a podcast hosted by me, Josephine Atlery. Do you ever feel like you could use some guidance when life throws you a curveball? By listening to the narratives in this podcast, you will learn from other people's experiences and responses to challenging situations so you can fast track the learning curve to get ahead of your own life. Welcome to Episode 7 of Responding to Life, a podcast. Today, I will be joined by a special guest, Lynette Lovelace, founder and CEO of Life Therapy. Lynette is an accomplished restaurateur, luxury boutique owner, gifted retail strategist, and product developer. Lynette amazes me because of her resilience and grit and her ability to choose positivity despite the many hardships she and her family have endured. Having survived numerous personal health challenges and guiding her son and daughter through their own health crisis, Lynette has learned to take life as it comes, to pay it forward, and above all, to live in the moment with optimism and gratitude. Welcome to the show, Lynette. I love it. I love always hearing an intro, uh, an intro of myself. I'm like, oh, is that is that me? <laughs> yeah, that is the best. Well, you're amazing. And you know, before we dive in, I wanted to share with everyone how we initially met, uh, because we've not met in person, but because you're in my hometown of Chicago, but we met via social media. And last fall, I was trying to do this um, gratitude challenge, and I happened upon your company on Instagram. And you were so kind enough to partner up and collaborate by giving some of your wonderful products as giveaways. And it really tied into this idea of practicing gratitude and choosing positivity. And um, I still actually have the body wash that you sent over to me. And whenever I look over, I get that reminder in, in the shower of remembering to choose my mood and choosing positivity, happiness, gratitude. And so that's what I that's what I love about your product line, which we'll get into further further on. Um, an example of one of the my favorite messages of yours is from the inspired product line. And on it it says, I am awakened to the flow of divine inspiration as it connects with the wisdom of my deepest self. I share my soul freely and with ease. And this beautiful message, um, I get to be reminded of every day. And that being said, uh, let's share some of Lynette's wisdom with all of our listeners. So in in preparing for the interview, uh, you mentioned to me that you suffered from endometriosis. You had 12 surgeries a hysterectomy at 39, and many miscarriages. Uh, Just recapping that in no way conveys the depths of what your journey must have been like. So if you wouldn't mind starting with perhaps the endometriosis part of it. It's one of those words we don't even want to say, you know. Right. Crazy endometriosis. You know, I, I mean... Endometriosis is now, I, I actually wish, you know, back when I had it, there was a little more um, conversation about it and maybe a little more knowledge or perhaps the knowledge was there. But um, I mean, endometriosis, they, they, one of the funny 
diagnoses of it that they call it is retrograde menstruation, like essentially menstruation that just goes kind of wild. Um, and simply described, it's where the tissue of that is supposed to be inside of the uterus grows outside of it. And it kind of grows on the organs and connects itself to all sorts of things it's not supposed to. So, I mean, honestly, from the minute I started menstruating as a young girl, um, this kind of became a way of my life and, you know, not really understanding as much as I wish I would have again back then. I kind of just did what the doctor said and um, it's a, it's a, just a painful, painful um I just thought it was kind of the way your period was supposed to be. I had no idea that it wasn't normal because it was that way from the beginning for me. So because it's tissue, it's not something they can see on a basic um, x-ray or um, you actually have to go in and do. So my first surgery, I believe I was, I mean, 21 maybe. And um, it was kind of exploratory. And when they, when I came out, they were just like, my goodness, um, this is what you have you know, it is a chronic illness and we will, you know, pretty much fight it uh, your entire, as long as you are menstruating. So it's just where every month you go through these series of complicated um, periods where some are more painful, some are less painful, but inevitably the longer you menstruate without, let's say pregnancy, the tissue just keeps growing and growing. So it's always an ongoing, you know, so I think you would, we had talked about that, you know, 12 surgeries and I really did have to keep going in and getting it cleaned out and getting it cleaned out, you know, and it, during this time we were trying to get pregnant and, you know, that was not sustaining. And when I would get pregnant, I would lose the pregnancy and the tissue just, it, it made it complicated to, to maintain that pregnancy. So. I see. So eventually you did um, have two children of your own what, you know, um, with all the miscarriages that you had, was there something that you did later on in order to have the pregnancies? You know, what, the, the key to the key to the success of a pregnancy with endometriosis very often is as soon as you have the surgery, they want you to keep, you know, start trying right away. Um, because it's when everything is the cleanest and, um, we, I mean, we were actually at the time exploring, you know, other opportunities, IVF, et cetera, just to see if we could maintain a pregnancy with more ease with that. Um, and ironically, when I went in for my IVF procedure, we found out we were pregnant. So oh. we were, yeah. So this one was uh, not something that we had planned on having and um, crazy. I mean, how that, how, they say that all the time, like the right. more you try to think about it, the, the less likely it is to happen. But, um, but that pregnancy interestingly was a hard, hard pregnancy. And believe it or not, I thought I was through the storm after we got through that, but then I had a blood clot in utero okay. for the entire pregnancy. So that was a interesting feat. <laughs> oh, uh, did that require just more more checkups? Um. You know what it was every, so every five days throughout my entire pregnancy, I had to be um, scanned okay. and to see if the blood clot was growing faster than the baby, which sadly it was. It's just a series of, I don't know, me and me and the whole baby thing did not, it was not, I mean, God bless that I have two amazing children now, but it was not an easy walk at all. Um, 
you know, for anybody who's tried and wrestled with that one, it's always the, then you finally think you're pregnant. It was going to be one of those easier things. And it just became even more complicated, but um, we did, we did go in at seven months and they basically told us, you know, pack your bags because the likelihood of us actually having to take this baby are pretty high because the blood clot is outweighing the baby, which would put me into harm's way. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, when we went in for that um, final test, the blood clot had reabsorbed like by a miracle. And um, that was amazing. And then, so when I went in to actually have that birth, I thought, okay, I've been through it all. But um, my daughter was a super complicated birth and I actually had a baby with not even a drug in my body because she was, I went, uh, the baby went code blue Okay. and I had a quick surgery in 90 seconds and it was <laughs> oh my goodness. all that lovely stuff that goes along with that. But, um, yeah. Wow. That is, that is so scary. I mean, as a mom myself, I can't even imagine. I think a first birth is scary anyway. So probably better that it was my first that I had no idea what to expect. Um, But yeah, it was a pretty crazy haul. I'll I'll tell you that one. And so with that pregnancy, with that blood clot just looming in the background, I mean, how did you, how did you deal with that on a day-to-day basis? Like leading up to the birth? Just, yeah, in terms of, um, you know, mentality, like for myself, I, I was pregnant with twins, um, when we finally did get pregnant and at 17 weeks, uh, we lost them. And Mm, so I had mm, to deliver them and, you know, then we adopted my son. And when I finally had the courage to try again during that pregnancy, I was, uh, I was just scared every day. It was oh, not yes, uh, a fun pregnancy whatsoever. But back then, I didn't really have tools to manage it. I just, I just kept my head down and just mm-hmm. managed to get through every day. I wish I did. I wish I, you know. I feel like as women, we gain the tools and the knowledge after we've gone through it almost to share with someone else, you know, all of our knowledge is coming from another woman that's been through it. I don't know if you right. find that, but you yeah. know, nobody, nobody tells you. And I don't know that we're, we, we quite know how to feel. So much like you said, uh, I, and I am terribly sorry you went through that loss. I can't imagine. And I'm sure it stays with you forever, but you know, through each of those experiences, right. We, we have to take, it's just kind of life as a mom, life as a leader, right. You have to, we have other people to live for, including ourselves and our spouses. And we have to try to take the, whatever that lesson is. Sometimes I hate that word, but um, I don't know. Well, I suppose we'll get there as the, as this conversation goes on. But I, I think that that it's a choice, right? We have to decide if we're going to lead with positivity or we're going to lead with negativity. And I think that's kind of what connected you and I briefly through social media. I mean, such a simple word, as positivity, but with so much um, empowerment, because right. it's a personal choice, right? I mean, right? Tragedy is going to continue to happen every day, sadly, and you know, I, I mean, I don't live my life prepared for tragedy or for conflict or for hardship, but 
you know, as a human being, you know, it's going to happen. Right. So I try to, (laughs) I try to remind myself of that and the fate of going through it. So, yeah, I do like that you mentioned our connection is through positivity and gratitude. I mean, you can look at it as our connection. I know. I love it. But at the heart of it, that's what brought us together, which is amazing. And, um, that's the universe taking over. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so with your, so that was the pregnancy with your daughter, correct? And then you had yep, yep. a son. Was that pregnancy um, very different? No. Yes, yes, yes. Very different. I mean, again, similar to yours, you know, I was definitely very scared through this one because the first one did not go so well. And then we, you know, barely got pregnant. I was so sick during the pregnancy, never really attached because I kept being told that it was likely going to, to uh, not be a viable pregnancy. And then, um, to get to the birth point and then have the baby such, I mean, it was such a traumatic delivery. I mean, I literally had a baby in 90 seconds. When I say that I, I don't sugarcoat it. Um, and then her abrupt birth and she was, you know, awfully tiny the cord ended up being wrapped around her neck quite a few times which we're not quite sure if that was part of the blood clot or you know what because at the end they stopped doing all of the scanning Mm -hmm. for safety reasons you know so um when I got pregnant with Logan it was just that normal you know I think you just you're fearful again of going walking the same path and how will it end differently and will the birth be extravagant and interestingly it was not as extravagant but he ended up being um a C-section forceps. So stubborn little thing. Um, <laughs> not, not as, you know, he was definitely, it was definitely a happier birth in that um, he was healthy from the beginnings. You, know, you had your own personal challenges that you overcame and your hopes of having your children came true. And then as you had mentioned to me, one day you find out um, that with your son, when he was two years old, that something was amiss with him. If you could share that and how that came about. Again, that crazy motherly journey. You know, um, so Logan was two at the time and um, he had a lot of allergies and asthma as a young child. So he started presenting with um, kind of these rashes and hives all over his body. Um, You know, we had him in and out of the ER. I don't know, maybe maybe seven or eight times over a two week period where we kept taking him in for the hives and um, he, you know, certain things weren't adding up. He was falling asleep like while he was eating and just, you know, things that, you know, as a mother, you know, aren't right. And finally um, late August, I ended up taking him into children's or, you know, children's in, in the city and literally refusing to leave. I was like, look, there is something wrong with my kid. And, um, progressively he was kind of getting worse and worse. And by worse, I, I mean, there weren't a lot of symptoms other than extremely high fever, these hives, um, but no other known, like they didn't really know what to look for. And, uh, long behold, when we finally ended up, um, going in for a CT scan because they could not find the source of the infection. As a matter of fact, they treated him for Kawasaki's disease which is not lightly treated because it is where they take the blood out of the body and they put it back in through a filter because it's infected. Oh, okay. Um, and they basically told me, look, if this does not bring the fever down, 
I mean, they thought it would. They said, you know, we think right away we'll know if this is what we have because um, the fever should come down and it didn't. And we decided to do the CT scan of the body. And they came basically, this was on September 10th, which is pretty incredible when you think back to this time of, of our lives, which I'll touch on. But um, I mean, they literally like, I, I remember it like yesterday, like this big, huge doctor walked in with about seven other people and everybody sat down and they just said, you know, we have very unfortunate news. We, he has a tumor in his liver taking over three quarters of the liver. It does not look good. Um, we can tell you by seeing this stuff that we do think it's cancer. We've already called the top guy, blah, blah, blah. He's on his way back to the hospital. So as you can imagine, you know, you're just kind of shaken out of this. I thought I was basically in for some random flu and you learn something that you just, you know, you can't really get your mind around. So the next morning was his biopsy to find out if it was, you know, a solid, we were, you know, what were we dealing with? Right. And that was September 11th. So not only was the world falling apart, they literally shut down the hospital. Oh, they did. And I just have, you know, I was like the psychotic mother running up and down the hall. I didn't care who was jumping out of a building. My kid was dying in front of me and right. they were telling me, I'm sorry, we can't go in and do the test. Like the hospital is on full lockdown. And it just, you know, you think back and it's just this series of things you can't quite put your arms around to believe are happening. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, still, it's just, it's funny to this day. I don't, I don't have a lot of, um, I don't understand what the rest of the world went through with 9-11 because I was so, you know, paralyzed. Daily, right. With, with your own you personal. Know, own. Yeah. Yeah. But we, um, you know, he, he ended up being in the hospital for quite some time, uh, several months and, um, really and truly it was a very fluke. They, he's still kind of a case study there now where they believe a, um, staph infection got somehow in his portal vein and landed in his liver. And that's just where it settled. And thankfully that it, <laughs> I guess, picked that organ at least because that organ is, you know, can rehabilitate itself unlike some oh. of the other ones. So, okay. um, yeah, that's so that was that. All this negative, we have to get to the positive. We do, we do. I know, I know. <laughs> but he's, you know, he made it through and he's in his yeah, 20s he's doing now. Great. You know, we, we, um, he's 21, super healthy. You know, we do have, you know, Logan, when he gets sick, he, his liver, his uh, natural tendency to fight things off just isn't as easy as other people's, or it takes him a little longer. But, you know, all in all, no one, whatever, you know, he's amazing and just one of those crazy things, you know. Right. Well, that's wonderful that you happen to find it in that way right away and able to fix it. That's just. I don't yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, and, and I will, you know, I, I'm sure we're going to touch on it, but again, the, you know, the, my brand, which I know we'll get to, but literally when we, when we do define it where it came from, it, 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 I will say to the day I die that some of the best moments in my life, oddly, were in the four walls of that hospital room, you know, where you're just sort of cut off from life and all the things that need to matter do matter. And, you know, sometimes I think we all wonder why, why it takes something like that. But I will never forget sitting in the corner of that room when we thought, my God, you know, he's going to die. We were just told he's got this tumor and 
my husband and I were sitting in the corner of the room and I remember the doctor overhearing our little argument of my husband was like, I, I will not survive this. I will die. And I was like, well, <laughs> if anything happens to him, I will, I won't, I can't make it. I won't. And literally our doctor, our pediatrician grabbed us by the hair, practically pulled us out in the hall and was like, I mean, it was just the most incredible moment. Um, and she just went nuts. She's like, look, you two, this isn't about you. This is about, you know, your son and, you know, you're going to, you know, this isn't your choice and we're going to do everything. We, I don't remember, you know, the words came out kind of scattered, but at some point she said something about choose your mood or oh, choosing your mood or choosing your behavior. And I was like, you know, it didn't hit me until after. Right. But it's the truth. It's like those steps you had to take forward after you lost, you know, your children, you, yeah. you have a choice, right? You can, right. you can sit right where you are, or you have to try yeah. even with the pain, you got to go forward. So anyway, it's just choose your mood is such a, as you'll, you know, as you know, but it's just such a powerful place in my life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it really is a choice, you know, every day, you know, I owned a boutique and restaurant as you mentioned earlier, this entire time, which is no, it's not an easy thing to be away from. And, um, you know, again, putting one foot in front of the other as an entrepreneur and then dealing with the, you know, I guess you could kind of say guilt of my son's illness. And I kept, of course, questioning, you know, is this because I'm too busy? Is this because I'm not paying attention? Was this lesson for me? Mm -hmm. And long behold, um, when my daughter was 10, we, the most random thing, she was getting a panoramic x-ray for her braces. And we kept getting a phone call from the dentist's office, like over and over and over again. And, you know, it became a joke because it was on the machine, but no message. And I said to my husband, you know, did we not pay the bill or you know, what the heck? And, uh, you know, as luck would have it, um, they found a uh, tumor in my daughter's brain through a panoramic x-ray for the braces. I mean, and to this day, when they told us the news, they had already called down to Children's Memorial and made us an oncology appointment for the next day. Oh, they did. Oh, my and I even remember when we got there, it was just so surreal. And I kept thinking, you know, x-ray for the braces, head, it's, you know, it's got to be in her mouth, they mean, or the side of her head or... Mm -hmm. But no, it was, it was definitely a tumor and it was on the top of the brain. And I mean, my God, just thank God they found it because, you know, you just never know if that would have grown or caused, no one really knows if it had gone untreated, how it would have developed or would it have been a stroke? Would it have been while she was driving a car? Would, right. you know, you just don't know. Um, so then we spent, uh, this happened very quickly. I mean, they, they don't mess around with this stuff. So we were in oncology the next day, five days later. She had brain surgery and uh, it was a benign tumor, thank God. And they uh, were able to take that piece of the bone out and put a synthetic bone in. Amazing. But I, I, I do Amazing. think that, I don't, I mean, my faith got stronger somehow in the time between my son's illness and hers. So I do feel like I dealt with this as a, a little bit differently. Um, I don't know, just more steps in between and, did you feel, I mean, that was one of the questions that came to mind was how you responded differently in the wake of that news versus when you. I mean, I think what, I son. mean, I'm a very faithful person and I know everybody processes their, you know, hope differently. Mine comes from a place of faith and I don't know, somehow I felt a lot calmer 
mm-hmm. even though her experience, you know, Logan's was so, he was so sick. Oh, so, right, right. Um, you know, where Kenna was a healthy 10 year old running around playing soccer. Um, and so we, you know, she was just angry that she had been ripped out of her, you know, she didn't really understand where with Logan, he was so sick and he was two and he couldn't talk. And, um, but you know, long, it's still, it's, I mean, you know, you just, all the questions you have in the time leading up to when, when they took the tumor out, you know, waiting to find out if it was or wasn't cancer. Um, you know, the questions I think always, you know, why me? What? And I'm not a why me, but what mine was more, what is my, where are the lessons in this? What am I to know? What is our family to do, you know, through this? Right. And I, I mean, I do think, you know, we're a strong unit of four. I'll give you that. Oh, I, I can only imagine <laughs> Lynette. That is, yes, the strongest family out there. Um, in that advice that the medical person gave to you during your son's illness that you mentioned, did you find yourself actively doing that then with your daughter of choosing your mood? A hundred percent. Okay. Just, just knowing, and I, you know, I mean, what happened with Logan in the midst of this, you know, as he got healthier, but was still hospitalized because he was on a central line for quite some time uh, for the infection that we had to keep him in the hospital. But what happened was eventually as he got stronger, I had not left the hospital in probably, I don't know, six or seven weeks. I had never left. Mm-hmm. And the pediatrician came to me and she's like, look, you have to go home. Like I'm here. Your husband's here. He's completely stable. You have to go just, you know, get your mind in a different, you just have to step out of here, go home, right. get a shower. And ironically, I went home that day. I drove home and I lived about a 45 minutes from the hospital and my girlfriend met me there and made me just a warm meal. And I took a bath and I literally remember driving back thinking, wow, like what a difference it makes to kind of reset your mind. It does. Just, you know, how a simple act of a warm meal and a bath, how you can just change perspective. And really that, that I would tell you that that was a defining moment in my life of, you know, more bad crap is going to happen mm-hmm. in it. In it, How will I, how will I walk forward in this? And it has shaped my life for sure. I mean, and it's definitely something that in a very hopeless situation, I learned to be hopeful and it became a mission of mine to share and find a way to teach that um, through something that I love. And it that, that's really where the brand was born. That makes total sense. Yeah. It is amazing. You know, I uh, touched upon this in one of my previous episodes about taking that pause in order to, in whatever situation you find yourself in, but how refreshing um, it can be for you and it shifts your mindset. That's what I found with my husband when he was, you know, not my husband yet, we were just dating and he had this um, life-threatening illness that kept him in the hospital for several months, uh, half a year. And it was the same thing for his mother and myself. We, you know, we basically lived in that hospital during those months and we would have to, I'd have to push her out of there in order for her to go take a break and we would tag team it. But you're right. Being able to leave that situation 
just sort of clears everything up. Even just to walk to the end of the hall sometimes or go downstairs and get the cup of coffee. Yeah. You know, it's the same repetition, right? That we do in our minds when you get caught up in a telling yourself something or saying something like you have to consciously make an effort to change direction. And I, I, I think we are all more capable than we think of that, but it's sometimes easier to stay in the repetitive behavior than it is to knock it out. And I, I mean, that's just, I mean, I try to tell my kids that all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's These are the lessons that we hope we can pass on. Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I hate to um, break up our conversation, but <laughs> <laughs> we will continue with it in the second part of our interview where we will further explore how Lynette used her experiences in life to create the company Life Therapy that promotes positivity. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lynette, and being so candid about the obstacles that you faced in life. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing as well. So if you happen to be in the LA area in March, I invite you to practice this pause for inner maintenance with me over at Unplugged Meditation in Santa Monica. Every Monday in March at 1 p.m., I will be teaching a 30-minute reset and recharge class. To join me for a class, just go to www.unplugged.com and click on Find a Class, and then select Santa Monica, and from there you'll be able to book your class with me. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Responding to Life, a podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, and would like to receive a bi-monthly newsletter with an exclusive and free video meditation, along with wellness tips and deals, please go to www.respondingtolifepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter by entering your email address in the pop-up box. In there, you'll also learn my seven-step process on how to meditate like a pro so you can stress less and live more joyfully. If you enjoyed the show, I invite you to share it with your friends and leave a rating and review on whatever podcast outlet you use. I look forward to sharing another inspirational story with you real soon.